ask you to continue to pray for me. I've heard the old saying, don't take a scripture until it takes you. And I'm going to go ahead and admit to you, this verse has taken me this past week, and I'm, I'm going to take it this morning. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, I want verse 22. If there's anything that has troubled me over the last couple years, especially since we have had such strange times, personally, it has troubled me that I have lost sight of what the church is. But there are people of God throughout the, the world who will never go back to church again. I talk to preachers all over who are struggling with the same issues, dealing with the same things. And I believe it comes down to one, it could be several issues, but I believe and I'm convicted it comes down to one very important issue, losing sight of what the church is. So I want to talk to you about what the church is and specifically we speak of Mount Zion, or Mount Sion, or Mount Sion, or Mount Sion, because you can say it any way you want to. One of those pronunciations is from the Hebrew. One of those pronunciations is from the Greek. But understand, the church of God, according to Paul, in Hebrews 12 and 22, he says, but ye are come unto Mount Sion. Notice it's an S and not a Z. That's not a huge distinction, but it is interesting to note that in the New Testament, it's always Sion and not Zion. In the Old Testament, it's all except for one time, Zion. And that's not a, nothing to get hung up on. It's just a different difference in the New Testament as opposed to the Old Testament. I want to talk to you about Mount Zion, which in our day and time, it is the church of God. But ye are coming to Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. If you notice the context of where the Apostle Paul is writing, he has just painted a picture of the ones that came to the mount in the days of Moses when they received the law. And it was a fearful thing. So he is comparing the mount, Mount Sinai, where the law was given and the Lord was shaking the mountain literally as an earthquake and it didn't fall apart because the Lord was holding it together. As compared to what we have in the New Testament, they were so afraid, they told Moses, go up there and talk to God and please tell God to never come down and talk to us again. <laughs> and yet in the New Testament, he says, we're not come to Mount Sinai, where it was a, Moses was so afraid that he said, Lord, I exceedingly fear and tremble. You're come to Mount Zion. So let's talk about Mount, Mount Zion. First, I want to give you a little bit of a history of Mount Zion, which is very, very interesting. When I began to look at this, and this caught me last week, early in the week, I just couldn't get away from it. I kept coming back to it, and it was just overwhelming. And I'm thinking, why haven't I seen this before? But that's the way the Lord works in His Spirit. I literally could just feel the Lord's Spirit just nudging me along. Keep studying, boy. And I literally feel it this morning where the Lord is telling me, preach it to Him, boy. The first time you read about Mount Zion, I believe, you'll find in Genesis, the 15th chapter, where... A man named Abraham encounters a fellow named Melchizedek, which means king of Salem. Melchizedek is a mysterious figure, and we won't dwell on him at all. That's a, be a subject all in and of itself. But Abraham encounters Melchizedek, who is king of Salem, which is eventually what will become known as Jerusalem. And that's where Mount Zion is. Now, I want you to understand the definition of Zion in the most simplistic form. It literally means to see something that is very obvious. So the word Zion, it could literally be said as Sion, Sion, something you see. So if you were traveling and you looked off in the distance and you saw this pinnacle, it's something you would see. And they, that's what they called Mount Zion. It's something you could see. That's why you have Sion in the New Testament and you have Zion in the Old Testament. The word is literally see it. Do you see it? 
I hope that makes sense. And that ties right into another occurrence where it is believed by scholars, and I believe it with all of my heart, that when Abraham took Isaac up on the mountain to sacrifice him, that that was what would become known as Mount Zion in Genesis 22. And what did Abraham say when he was up on the top of Mount Zion, when he saw the lamb, the ram caught in the bushes, and he'd used the lamb, the ram, instead of Isaac and took Isaac up off of the altar, there was a substitution there. Abraham called that place something. He called it Jehovah Jireh, which means in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. You see how there is a connection with seeing something on Mount Zion. Not only could you see Mount Zion, the pinnacle, the peak of Jerusalem, the city. Not only could you see it, but it was a place where you could see things. (laughs) Because Abraham saw something up there, did he not? We're told by Jesus' own precious words that Jesus said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And that seeing was on Mount Sion, which was Mount Zion. Are y'all getting that? I hope that's clear. In 1 Chronicles, the 11th chapter and the 5th verse, don't ask me why, but for some reason the Jebusites retained control of Jerusalem whenever the people of Israel went into the promised land. I've never figured that out other than to point out the fact that the Lord was saving that special place for a man named David one day. And in 1 Chronicles, 11th chapter and the 5th verse, the Jebusites who occupied Jerusalem, David was already the king. And David wanted that pinnacle. He wanted that peak. He wanted that city for his capital city. Before that, it was not in Jerusalem. And so David wanted Jerusalem, but the Jebusites were occupying it. It was a Jerusalem in those days when they were fighting with swords and spears and arrows and bows and catapults and so forth. That was a hard city to take. City set up on a hill. And so the Jebusites said to David, you will not take the city. And you know what David did? He took the city. And it became, you guessed it, the city of David. But there was a stronghold within Jerusalem that he took that was known as the castle. And that little individual area that he took was Mount Zion, the pinnacle, the thing you could see the most. So Mount Zion, from a political standpoint, from a strategic standpoint, was a very valuable place. And I think it's very interesting that it was a place that David had to take from other men. Because I tell you, child of grace, that the son of God, when he took Mount Zion, he took it away from other men. He took our sins away. He took it away from us and he made it his own. And the Lord told the children of Israel all throughout their travels in the wilderness. He said, now when you come to the land, I want you to come and worship me at the place wherein I choose to set my name. And for many years, it was the tabernacle and the tabernacle moved around here and there, finally settled in a place or two. But ultimately, the place where God placed his name was Mount Zion. Don't ask me why. I mean, what, why is that little peak in Jerusalem any better than the peaks and places that you see over in the Colorado mountains or up in the Smoky Mountains or over in the Appalachian Hills? I mean, who, why would God choose to set that as his place? Well, you'll just have to ask God that when you see him in heaven. But I'll tell you, it was right for him to choose that place. And he is sovereign and he can choose any place he wants to. You see? And he's right when he does it. So God chose this conspicuous peak, this conspicuous pinnacle, and he set his name there, and ultimately it's where the temple was built. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what would become known as the epitome, the picture. If you wanted a picture of the covenant nation, if you wanted to see the epitome of the covenant nation of Israel, if you wanted to see a representation of that, you looked to Mount Sion. You look to something that you could see. And up there on Mount Sion, the the farthest place that you could press into the kingdom of God 
The visible, physical, Old Testament kingdom of God. The farthest place that you could press to connect with God was found on Mount Sion. I hope that makes sense. And I hope you see where this is going. God said, I will set my name there. And where I say I will set my name, I command you to come there to worship me. And it was Mount Zion. And if you were a traveler and you were coming to Jerusalem and you were an Israelite and you were coming there to make your sacrifice and maybe you've never been there before and you come to the city of Jerusalem, how magnificent it was. Magnificent city set up on a hill that you had to climb to. And when you climbed up into that city and you entered the gates and all of the markets and the little homes and the little hovels that were around there and you pressed your way on through those places, you say, where are you headed? I'm headed up to the Temple Mount because that is the place where God has set his name. I want a special connection with God. I want a special fellowship with God as an Israelite. I have my lamb. I have my ram. I've purchased that. I've made my money exchange here. And I'm going up to the temple because it was the furthest place that you could press to connect with the living God. Mount Zion. And perhaps as you traveled through that city, you could look up and you could see that peak. Maybe beyond the buildings and the things, the structures. Where are you going? I'm pressing on. It makes me think of the song that we sing about palms of victory. That traveler is just pressing on. And if you went to Jerusalem as an Israelite in those days, you would press on to Mount Zion. And when you'd come to Mount Zion, you would see this amazing, ornate, intricate, beautiful, incredibly decorated temple. And there would be an outer court for Gentiles that could actually come there. And often they did. And then there'd be an inner court and there'd be people there. And you could see things on the inner, the inner court. You could see things in the outer court. If you were Israelite, you could get on into the inner court. But then there was a point at which you would just have to stand and you would just have to look at the doors of the temple because there was something inside that Mount Zion location that was the absolute pinnacle of connecting with God. And I'm sure you Bible readers know what that was. You press on into the temple... And there would be a two-foot-thick curtain. A two-foot-thick. You ladies have curtains at home? I don't think they're two feet thick. Two feet thick, it's about like that. And that was a veil that was set before something inside the place where you could connect with God in the most intimate way. But there's a problem. You will never be able to go. As an average, ordinary Israelite citizen, you will never be able to go past that two foot thick curtain. There would be guards with arms that would prevent you from going in there if you tried to. As a matter of fact, you can read where an old king in the Old Testament went in there and demanded that he be able to do what the high priest was doing once a year or throughout the week. And he was struck with leprosy for the rest of his life because he demanded something that could not take place. Because inside that curtain, where only one man could go once a year, was a place known as the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. You see, it wasn't like us going to a museum today, like we like to go to museums and see all the artifacts. You could not go in there and see it. But it was there. 
And the closest you could get would be to stand either in that outer camp, uh, that outer court or that inner court. And you could stand out there and you could pray and maybe you could sing psalms and hymns. But you'd just have to trust that that old high priest was doing it right and carrying the blood in there of the lamb and sprinkling it on the Ark of the Covenant on the mercy seat. You'd just have to hope that he did it right. Now, I've heard in legend, I don't know if it's true or not, I've never researched it. But I've heard in legend that they used to tie a rope around the foot, around the ankle of the high priest. Because if he went in there and they didn't hear his the bells on the bottom of his robes jingling anymore it probably meant or if they heard something go boom it probably meant that he hadn't done it right and nobody was going to go in there and get him you know the 911 medics were not going to go into the holy of holies because they would be struck down too that was the special place for connectivity with god so they just have to take that rope legend says they just have to take that rope and pull the old boy out he's dead you know take him out and bury him you could not get in there child of grace It was a very special place. Only the high priest could go in once a year and offer the sacrifice. Let me read to you Hebrews, the ninth chapter. If you wonder about the book of Hebrews, it's a wonderful insight to what went on in the Mosaic law. If you say, I don't understand all this. It's worth studying it just to understand what I'm talking to you about today. I'm giving you highlights. In Hebrews 9, the whole chapter is about what was necessary for atonement. The high priest, as I've described to you, would go behind the two-foot-thick curtain and he would take the blood and had to be just right. He had to be saying the right thing, doing the right thing. And God is watching. And if he was doing the right thing, there was a special connection there that the high priest had that nobody else had. And the high priest would come out and say, hey, good news, Israelites, good news. The Lord has received the sacrifice. Everything's good for another year. <laughs> but notice in Hebrews the, ni- uh, the, the, um, Hebrews the ninth chapter in verse 24. Notice this now, because this is important. For Christ, our high priest, is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. That says that Christ did not go into the temple mount and up to Mount Zion, but there is a higher Mount Zion. You know what that is? It's heaven itself. When you get to heaven, you say, I don't know much about Mount Zion. You need to learn about it right now because you're going to hear about it in heaven. You're going to hear about it when you get there. Why not learn about it now? Why not learn about your connection to it now as you sit here, right here in this very day? As you publicly worship the Lord and fellowship together and focus on the things of God, it's good to hear about what it is. We say the church this, we say the church that. That's correct. It is the church. But what is the church? It is Mount Zion. A little piece of heaven comes down when the Holy Spirit blesses and you are having a little taste, a little foretaste of heaven itself when you come to Mount Zion and assemble with the saints. Psalm 48 says, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth. You want to know what God thinks about Mount Zion? You want to know what God thinks about Jesus entering into heaven itself and offering himself his blood as the great high priest to pay for your sins? So guess what? Because he did that, because he did that, we're not like the Israelites in the Old Testament who would come from afar and come to the outer court or come to the inner court and stand out there and pray and just wonder what went on in there. We don't stand in the outer court these days because Jesus Christ ascended into heaven itself and he made the holy of holies come down to the children of God. You see, that's all through Christ. 
So when you think about what church is all about, when you think about the purpose of assembling and gathering together, that's something we should have in mind. Psalm 48, he says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, that's Mount Zion, beautiful for situation. The word situation means the way that Zion was situated. It was beautiful because you could see it from afar. And child of grace, I say to you today, the church of God and the way that God has formed it and the way that God has purchased it and the way that God condescends to us and the holy of holies through the spirit comes down and resides with us and tabernacles with us when we come and assemble with one another it is glorious it's the joy of the whole earth it is a beautiful situation because that's what the church of God is it is the assembly in which we go into the holy of holies Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king, child of grace. Do you understand that when you come to the church of God, that you're coming to the city of the great king, the great king. Now, listen, whereas those people in the Old Testament would come and they would offer their sacrifices in the outer court and they'd wonder and hope and pray that the high priest would do his job in there. We don't have to worry about that anymore. God understands that we can't come into the Holy of Holies. This king that we serve is not like the kings of this world that command obedience. No, he understands that we fail in our obedience. And so you know what? The Holy of Holies comes down to us through the Spirit of God. And the reason you can come in, the reason you can interact, the reason that you can rejoice is because God, the mediator between God and men, has mediated your salvation through His shed blood. And that's beautiful. When you see that and you know it's Mount Zion and you know that's what you're coming to fellowship with, I tell you, that gets me excited. Is the Lord going to show His face today? You say, well, where is He? I don't see Him. He's right here in your heart if you feel Him. He's right here. He tabernacles with his people and in a special way. Oh, don't you know, it wasn't mundane. It wasn't ordinary. Once a year when they went up to make their sacrifices at the temple, when they went up to see the high priest go in and pray that he would come out, it wasn't a mundane, ordinary, average thing. They were there and they were excited. And they understood this is our connectivity with God. This is the epitome. This is the cream of the crop. This is the best that it gets. And we can reach out to God and connect with him in the best way that we can when we come to the temple and child of grace, you've got it infinitely better than that today because you don't have to stand outside because the son of God has entered heaven itself and presented himself to God. And the Lord says, I accept the sacrifice of my son. And now he condescends down to us. Amen. And that's what church is supposed to be about. Listen to me very carefully. You want to connect with God? I'm not saying you can't connect with God in other places. I mean, you might be out fishing on a Saturday, not on a Sunday. And you may have the Lord come upon you. I've been many places and the Lord comes upon me. I'll tell you the other day when I was studying this and trying to... I shouldn't even say this. When I was studying this, I was going down the road. I was just praying, Lord, keep me safe. I can't take my eyes off this right now. And I'm going to try to keep one on the road. So I was a little cross-eyed there. But when it took me... The Lord visited me in a special way. I thought, how, the first thought on my mind was, how am I going to convey this that the Lord has given me where I'm crying and I'm blurbing like, uh, blubbering like an idiot? How am I going to connect this and give this to the people of God? That's my first thought. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Make no mistake, child of God, the church of God, in God's view, this isn't Brother Tim's opinion, God views the church, his church, as Mount Zion. It's a place to be seen. It's a place to see and to be seen. And I'm not saying God can't come to you in the car like he did the other day and, and turn me into just a, a blithering idiot crying. 
He can come to you in many places. But you can't overlook the fact that the Lord says, I have a special place where I come in a special way because the focus is to be on my holy of holies. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, beautiful for situation, joy of the whole earth. Listen to me. Mount Zion is the most important place on this planet to God. In the Old Testament, in the days of Israel, Mount Zion, where God would come in a pillar of cloud and he would visit with them from time to time. And he would interact with them and connect with them as the national, physical nation of God. In the Old Testament, today, child of grace, you are the supernatural, supernational, spiritual nation of God. Spiritual Israelites who come to the temple of God to worship God. You can do that on a creek bank. You can do like the Apostle Paul went down to Lydia on those days they were down there where prayer was wont to be made. Church was held down there. That's the beautiful thing about being an old Baptist. You can have church anywhere. You don't have to have the mechanics. You don't have to have all the ornate stuff. If you remember a hymn in your mind, if you forgot your hymn book, you don't even have to have a hymn book. But you can have church anywhere. That's the beautiful thing about the mobility of God's church. So whether you're down by the creek bank like the Apostle Paul was with Lydia, or whether you're in a jail cell at midnight singing praises to the Lord, or whether you're in a nice structure like God has blessed us to build here so that we can assemble together, make no mistake, child of God, the Lord looks upon it as Mount Zion. It's a holy of holies. The furthest that the people of Israel could go in the Old Testament to connect with God, unless you were the high priest, the furthest the people could go was in that outer court and just watch as the high priest goes in. The furthest that you can go to connect with God today, according to the words of God, you are not come unto the mount that trembled with fire and smoke and earthquakes. I fear that many of the messages that are preached out there in the world today, in the denominational world, are full of fire and smoke and earthquake. And if you don't do this, God's going to get you. (laughs) Nothing can be further from the truth. Child of grace, God's already got you. He's already got you. If you want to connect with God, do not forget in these strange and crazy times that we're living in, God comes and tabernacles with his people in Mount Zion. It's so easy. We don't have to buy a little lamb. We don't have to shed the blood of an animal. We don't have to depend on the high priest. Maybe he'll get it right. Or maybe we'll have to pull him out with a rope that's tied around his ankle. Jesus has already done it right. And understand, Mount Zion was a picture, as Paul said, it was a figure of heaven itself. You say, well, Brother Tim, I'm not quite convinced. So let me just do a little final convincing in Revelation 14. In the last minute here, if you're not quite convinced, read with me in Revelation 14. And by the way, every occurrence, the seven occurrences of the the word Zion in the New Testament, it always carries with it a behold, see, look. (laughs) Why? Because that's what Zion means. It means, look at that. Look at that. Can you believe that? Behold, look at that pinnacle sticking up there. It's, It's very obvious what it is. You can see that. And every time in the New Testament, it's behold. He says, behold, when the king comes into the city. But check it out yourself. Fill in the gaps. Every time it's behold. And here in Revelation, the 14th chapter, notice it says the word is there. The word lo is the same sometimes as behold. The word looked is the same one as behold. He says, John says, I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the mount. What? Sion. And with him, 144,000. So nobody knows what that is. I'll tell you what it is. Because if you read on down, it talks about having the everlasting gospel to preach. I tell you who that 144,000 is. You want it on the secret? It's you, child of God. 
It's a representative number of those that have worshipped the Lord in spirit and in truth down through the ages. It's a representative number of those that have come to Zion and they have cast all of their care upon the mediator Christ Jesus as their only hope for salvation. That's what that means. And notice he's standing on Mount Zion. And one of these days when the Lord comes back, wouldn't it be wonderful to be in a worship service when the Lord came back? I tell you, I'd love to be preaching a message like this right here, talking about Mount Zion and talking about John seeing the Lord high and lifted up there on Mount Zion and those children of God who've gone on to be with the Lord with him. And also those children of God who are there worshiping him. Maybe the Lord will come. I'm not a date setter or a time setter, but maybe there will be somebody worshiping throughout the world. I hope it's me whenever the Lord comes back. Because you imagine talking about Mount Zion and Mount Zion. Zion, seeing that, and there comes the Lord. (laughs) Like that right there. He's standing on Mount Zion. And here's what's going to happen. Because the Lord has entered into the Holy of Holies in heaven and said, here I am. Here's my sacrifice. And the Lord said, accepted. Now we can worship Him in spirit and in truth and we don't have to stand outside the Holy of Holies. He has ripped the veil of the temple in twain in two. That happened when He died on the cross. And we have access to the Holy of Holies. But guess what? It's not over there on the Jerusalem mountain anymore. It's the church of God. And it's right here. And it's you assembling and enjoying and rejoicing and seeing God, the Holy One. (laughs) Revelation 14. I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion. Do you see that lamb this morning? He's standing there. And the most important place that he looks to in this world is his church. It is the pinnacle of the covenant of God with His people. And isn't it funny that it's mostly been made up of just the poor, weak, and worthless all throughout time. But that's how God does things. He loves you. And He's given you a place where you can come and worship. I don't think I have even halfway conveyed the overwhelming conveyance that God gave to me when I looked at that and thought, how wonderful to know That this Sunday morning, I'm going to get up out of bed and I'm going to get dressed and I'm going to go up to the holy mount of God. And my prayer is, Lord, would you please meet me there? Would you please, in your grace and your mercy, just come and meet me? I believe he has. If there's one or more here that sees that Mount Zion is their place of refuge in this day and time, the greatest place that you can be from week to week and the best place that you can position yourself is in the church of God, Mount Zion. 